Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. And we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast, one of my favorite episodes of the year where Kyle and I finally get a chance to look at our consensus big board, stack them up, see how we rank these players differently, and uh, we're going to go to war about it today here on the show. So welcome, Kyle. I hope you have your uh, your battle attire ready. Yes, I'm ready for Battle of the Boards 2.0. This has been a long time coming, Joe, <laughs> and it is one of our most glorious shows of the year. And for that reason, I am ecstatic, especially because... We get to look at these boards stacked up with one another, and there's some mutual love being shared here, Joe. Pretty much, you know, our top tens are, are pretty similar. So we want to, you know, before we start tearing each other to shreds, do we want to give a rundown of kind of the, the top ten, top fifteen on the consensus, and see if anything stands out in your eye uh, in that regard? Yeah, let's roll through it, man. Let's get into this thing. First and foremost, how about a little bit of love for Quentin Nelson, the number one player on the composite big board between the two of us? Because Joe, being the monster that he is, ranks Saquon Barkley number four overall. <laughs> so, the order, top 15 of Joe and I's consensus board is Quentin Nelson, guard Notre Dame, Saquon Barkley, running back Penn State, Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker, Virginia Tech. Bradley Chubb, defensive end, NC State. Minka Fitzpatrick, Alabama safety. Those are the top five. Six, Connor Williams, 
offensive line. Texas, seven, Josh Rosen, quarterback, UCLA. Eight, Baker Mayfield, quarterback, Oklahoma. Nine, Isaiah Wynn, offensive line, Georgia. Roquan Smith, linebacker, Georgia is number 10. Derwin James, safety, Florida State. Mike McGlinchey, Notre Dame offensive tackle. Mo Hurst, defensive lineman, Michigan. Nick Chubb, running back, Georgia. And Jair Alexander, cornerback, Louisville. Top 15 on the consensus board, Joe. Yeah, and I think just kind of a looking at this real quick here, it's we have very similar players, right? Like not necessarily the same order, but the same 15 guys-ish we've really identified as the best players in this draft. So it's good to see that we don't have anything like crazy at the top. Like, you know, if, if I were to think Josh Allen was worth the pick in this spot or something and, you you know, you, you have him where you do. I mean, we don't have anything too crazy. Uh, I mean, you have Nick Chubb. In your top 10, I have him 24. I have Jair Alexander 9. You have him 26. But, I mean, that that's about the biggest deviation that you're going to get here when we look at the first 15 guys on the board. Yeah, and I think looking at this group, the other one that stands out to me is Harold Landry. It was a bit of a divide between the two of us. Uh, Harold Landry, I had 14th. You had 29th. But of our top 15, uh, it featured... 13 players from my personal top 15 on my board. And Joe, looking at yours, uh, also featured 13. So 13 of 15 on both of our boards uh, made this consensus top tier. And one of the things that we did this year is we color-coded this, and I thought that this was pretty cool because you could see a visualization of based on what our tiers were, where we think the tiers stack up. We each have two blue-chip players, like elite prospects. Joe, for you, it's Quentin Nelson, Bradley Chubb. For me, it's Quentin Nelson, Saquon Barkley. Uh, You have more first-round grades than I do, but in the consensus, through the top 15, there's only one player on each side that that we had a respective second-round grade on. That, for you, was Nick Chubb. That, for me, was Jair Alexander. Uh, Joe, how many first-round grades did you give out altogether this year? Um, I think it was right at 22 or 23. So it's a fair amount. Um, I think last year I had 20 or 21, so a few more than last year. But um, I'm comfortable with it. Obviously, I I, I like the way my board stacks. So those are the guys I think are the the first-round values. I guess the guy that I think maybe most people will find surprising for me to have in the top in the first round grade is Justin Reed, the, the uh, safety from Stanford. But uh, I, I don't know what box he doesn't check. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I certainly think he's a highly, highly talented safety prospect that would be worth a first round pick. And I think he'll ultimately go in the first round when you uh, consider Carolina 24, Pittsburgh 28 as, as strong possibilities uh, for Reed. Yeah. I really like the potential match there with Pittsburgh at 28, especially because it seems like none of those linebackers are going to fall to him. Joe, do we want to do positional breakdowns here? Is that how we decided we're going to yeah, do, yeah, uh, tackle the show? Yeah, so let's do it. Get into them quarterbacks, Kyle. Uh, so I need your top five, Joe. Top five quarterbacks, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Mason Rudolph, number five. Okay. Quarterbacks, top five quarterbacks on my board were Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, Sam Donald, Kyle Lawletta, Mason Rudolph, much further down on my board than yours. I almost had him twice as far down on the board at 120 than you did at 163, Joe. 
defend yourself. Well, I think Mason does a lot of good things that, um, you know, first of all, he's my number, my number 63 overall player. So he, he's a player that I grade in the third round. Um, I, I think he's, he checks a lot of the boxes that I'm looking for. Uh, obviously the size and the productions there um, in his ability to work the football down the field. He, he, works his progression. So we talk about these spread quarterbacks that, you know, are kind of a pitch and shoot, you know, try to find guys that are established open. Uh, you don't get that from Mason. He does have a lot of good window and anticipation throws that I like from him. Um, you know, he doesn't give you much outside of structure. I think there's a big difference between outside of structure and in the face of pressure, where I think his accuracy does dip under pressure, but his quarterback rating is actually pretty high under pressure where he really doesn't offer anything is when he has to try to extend a play. And, and, you know, that's where the wheels come off. But, um, you know, I think for a quarterback that can can come in and, and compete for a starting job, maybe be viewed as a bridge quarterback at some point in his career. And, and I've said, yeah, I can see him having a career like a, like a Chad Henney, like a Matt Schaub type guy. And, and that's not super exciting, but, um, you know, I think there's some potential for production. I think he's an A-plus a human being. And, um, you know, I, I, if you look at the way my quarterbacks stack, I think I have – you know, I have guys 7 through 90, and then after 90, the next quarterback rated is 206. So I very much, you know, if, if I don't think you have starting potential, man, you go way, way down. Joe, I think one last divide, or one last comment that I have here on the quarterbacks, uh, we mentioned each other's top fives. Uh, pretty interesting. I'm looking at the difference on our respective boards between – Mayfield, Rosen, Jackson, Donald, and Lawletta, my top five. Uh, we are almost dead on with all five of these guys. As far as I have Mayfield ranked sixth overall, you had Mayfield tenth. I had Rosen eight, you had him seven. Jackson's the one we are a bit split on, where I had him 29th, you have him 60th. I had Sam Donald 46th, you had him 48th. And we both had Kyle Lawletta 79th on the board. So it seems like this top, my personal top five, there, there's maybe a little bit of debate on how the valuation of Lamar Jackson comes into play right now, or maybe that's something you'd like to get into briefly before we move to running backs, as far as if you think he's a, a little bit more of a long-term player, if, and if that's why he's 31 spots lower than what I had him. But the other four guys in my personal top five are all within four spots on the board of one another. Yeah, I mean, uh, I... I like Lamar Jackson. He's my QB4. He has a second-round grade. I think he can be a starter. I just think that it may take some time. Um, I think there's some some things that you'll need to do with your offense to tailor it towards him, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you know, I do think that it does take some adjustments where you know he's not he's not going to be a fit for every scheme. Um, but before we shift the gear, gears for to running backs, I want you to talk about Chase Litton, Kyle. This is a player that you have 92 on your board. I have him 212. Uh, and I thought I liked Chase Litton as a developmental quarterback, but you like him in the top 100. I think that's a third-round grade for you where you have him on the board. I, I've been screaming for, for some analysis from you on, on Chase, and you know, it's because you're, you're, you seem to be really, I guess, off the grid a little bit with him and, and compared to the consensus views. And you, know, you have him higher on your board than Mason Rudolph. You have him higher than Josh Allen by almost 100 spots. I mean, let's, let's go. Pound the table. What's up with Litton? Yeah, so I like Chase Litton. I think Litton, if you if you watched and I think NC, you know, NC State was the the banner game for me. That he made some throws and he made some throws in that game that that really stood out to me. Where it was like, dude, like 
he's fitting ball in tight windows and he's facing pressure. He's got a lot of bad habits and he's got some sloppy play and coming out of Marshall. No, he's, he's not the most polished as a passer. He, he's got a, a bit of a ways to go, but if I'm looking for a guy that I think could be a starter down the road, he has requisite arm strength. He doesn't have terrific arm strength, but he's, he's got the ability to get some push on the ball when he steps and drives into his throws. And, uh, showed really nice touch. He threw with anticipation. He was making good decisions in that game against NC State. He was under a lot of pressure in that game. That was the game for me that really sold me on him as far as, okay, you know, you need somebody in the middle rounds. You, you want to get your hands on and mold a little bit. Uh, but there were three or four wow plays and wow throws on that tape that you know kind of helped bring me around to the idea that this might not just be a you know late round flyer. This kid, this kid's got some some really impressive arm talent as far as his ability to throw the ball at certain angles and and fit it you know in between zone coverage and and really just lead the ball into a receiver. Made a throw up the the sideline that was just terrific as far as the touch. He was on the move, rolling to his right. He throws actually throws pretty well in the move in general, and uh, yeah, I I think that's the guy that what we're packaging Josh Allen as. Like you can get the discount version of Josh Allen in the real life draft, and get a comparable package right now minus just the raw arm strength. That's the one thing that Allen has as a trump card over everybody is his raw arm strength. And and speaking of Josh Allen, we'll go ahead and tease it. You got to listen to the Wednesday show. We've got. A heck of an idea. We've got some special guests coming in, and we are going to really dig into Josh Allen and talk about him as a player and everything you would want from several different angles. So make sure you subscribe so you can check out that Wednesday show. For sure. Joe, we moving on to running backs now? Let's, let's do it. Is that the game plan? All right, so running backs. My top five running backs. Saquon Barkley, Penn State. Nick Chubb, Georgia. Darius Geis, LSU, Sony Michelle, Georgia, Ronald Jones, USC. Yeah, we don't have a lot of deviation, Kyle. I've got Saquon Barkley number one, Darius Geis two, Nick Chubb three, Sony Michelle four, and Ronald Jones number five. Yeah, we don't even get boring <laughs> at six. We both have John John Kelly at six. Keep going. <laughs> They're very similar. The next several are very similar. Yeah, I'd carry on seven. You had carry on ninth. Uh, Josh Adams, I had 8th, you have him 11th. Uh, Walton, I have ninth. you have him 14th. So that's kind of the, the first big deviation. But, Joe, I mean, just one of the things that we mentioned at the end of the quarterback segment that stands out right away is I'm, I'm looking up and down the list here. and I mean, we're separate on, on Barkley by three spots, separate on Chubb by 15, separate on Geist by nine. Uh, less than 25 spots on both Michelle and Jones and John Kelly were within 10 spots on each other's board. So it's there's not a lot of deviation here. So I can't really give you a hard time until we, we scroll all the way down and we, we find out that I like Edo Smith in the middle rounds and you, you don't like Edo Smith a whole lot. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think um, it's interesting, though, because if you look at Naheem Hines, that's a player that I have at 97th, and you have him 196. So 
I mean, I've got Naheem Hines 100 spots higher on the board than you do. So it's interesting how we, we really deviate there. I guess I'll, I'll make the case for Hines in that uh, I think he I think he's a very talented football player. I think he's he's a guy that can be that explosive uh, explosive runner in a zone scheme that can really knows how to find space. Obviously, he runs four three. He can he can hit the home run. Uh, he's got some work to do with his hands. He's under, a little bit underdeveloped, but his his skill set should lead to being able to separate from linebackers all day long at the NFL level. And uh, you know, he gives you that kick return ability. And I think uh, from the human element, I spent you – know, I was up – I did four trips to NC State this year and really got a chance to be around him and the coaching staff and and, and uh, people around the, the, the program. And, and, I mean, they rave about him. You know, talk about how he's an elite competitor and how hard of a worker he is. And so all of that works together for me to, to say, hey, Naheem Hines, man, if I'm a zone team and, you know, I don't get I don't get, I don't get Ronald Jones in the second round – you know, give me give me Naheem Hines in the third or fourth, and I think I got a guy that can can be a really nice complimentary back and, and part of a productive duo. So, Joe, I'm sitting here looking at Edo uh, Smith. I have a fifth round grade on Edo Smith. He's rated 153rd on my board, and my comp for him is Corey Clement. And I think that that gives you a really nice idea on the kind of player that he is, and probably why. Some people are more lukewarm on him than others. Obviously, Corey Clement went undrafted out of Wisconsin and, and was a key contributor uh, for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles in their run to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Edo Smith, 5'9", 201, uh, doesn't really check a lot of physical boxes as far as you know, he doesn't have any outstanding traits, but he's tough. He's... Uh, active in the receiving game. It's one area that stood out. Ego Smith played 52 games, had 140 receptions, almost 1,500 yards, and seven receiving touchdowns during his career at Southern Miss. That goes with 820 carries, 4,500 rushing yards, and 42 rushing touchdowns. Very productive football player. So you got a very productive player, uh, can contribute in a lot of different phases, but is not a key athlete. And I just see the running instinct there that makes me feel like this is somebody that can contribute and, and be a middle-of-the-day-three target. I guess this is going to be our Elijah McGuire this year. I, I don't I don't hate Edo Smith. I, I think he has a chance to be a complimentary back. I just uh, I don't get overly excited about um, you know the, the entire package. And, and uh, I think he's more of a, just a change-of-pace guy. He's got some juice. But uh, I, I, even when you think about a, a smaller runner, I thought I saw some segmentation to to his cuts and he wasn't overly dynamic and, and um, you know, I just, I, I want to see more from a niche runner in terms of those elusive traits and, and, and burst. Who won the Elijah McGuire year one? Uh, I, I think you're overrating Elijah McGuire's year one performance. <laughs> well, we'll Joe, see. I'll be Joe. Let's be fair. I, I have, I have Edo Smith 153. I'm not sitting here saying it's a top 80 player. Now, 153 is still down there a little bit on the board. Yeah, I mean... I think you could just get a reliable player here. You know exactly what you're sure. going to get from him, and sure. I think that has some value. All right. Touche. I'm, I'm good. Are you ready for the next position? Yeah, let's do some wide receivers. Give me your top five first. Top five wide receivers. Cortland Sutton, SMU, number one. Calvin Ridley, Alabama, number two. DJ Moore, Maryland, number three. Anthony Miller, Memphis, number four, and James Washington, number five from Oklahoma State. 
And my top five are Cortland Sutton, one, Anthony Miller, two, DJ Moore, three, James Washington, four, Christian Kirk, Texas A&M is my five, Joe. So Christian Kirk was the one guy I think we were different on in the top five. In terms yes, of and Kirk, I mean, real, realistically, and we, we don't really have Kirk all that separate, no, where we have Kirk four spots separate on each other's board. So we, we both feel very comfortably about where he's ranking in the, the overall depth of this class. It's just Ridley, for me, did not score well in his peripheral stuff, and I had some concerns about the lack of physicality in his game, which drove him down off my board a little bit in comparison to you. Yeah, and, and I'll say this about Calvin Ridley. He doesn't he doesn't necessarily perform well in traffic as well when, when he has to catch the ball with, with bodies around him. But with that said, he's always open, and, and I think he's got a very translatable route-running skill set that I think he'll be able to get that space in the NFL. So I, I'm optimistic on him. He's got a high second-round grade. Um, but, um, you know, for you, I think I have him 20 – Fifth on the board, you have him 67. Yes, but I also have a second-round value on Calvin. So we have him in the same tier. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's just that he's on the lower end of that tier for me where he's on the upper end of that tier for you. So the big one the big one for us is it looks like Dante Pettit – or excuse me, Deion Kane. Uh, I have him 140 spots higher than you, and I don't know that I'm necessarily high on Kane – uh, he's a he's a third round value for me, but you you are especially low. So maybe you tell me why he's not a good receiver, and and I can see if there's anything I could rebut with. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included, so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits. So you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Well, it's him and Kiki Kuti is the other one. Where Kiki... Uh, he's 147 spots higher on your board than he is on mine. Uh, so we're actually wider apart on Kiki than we are on Deion Kane. Uh, the thing about Deion Kane is that he's bad. <laughs> and I think that's the first thing you need to know about Deion. Uh, <laughs> he's got terrible hands, dude. He, he fought the ball on a lot of occasions on the film that I watched. And then... To compound that, he had concentration drops, and uh, I think he's an effective vertical receiver. I thought that was far and away his best trait, but I, I look at him as a player, and he wasn't physical in his route stems. I thought he had to be out in space. He could get deterred with uh, uh, press coverage with, with patient guys, and more specifically, when it came time for him to break off of his initial stem, I thought guys gave him a handful a lot of times. And I think if unless he's running vertical routes, uh, he had a really hard time creating that separation, and then he has a hard time with catching the football on top of it. It's just a recipe, uh, in my opinion, for uh, a player that, that's really going to struggle. Joe, my comp here is Armand Bins, for some perspective on where I think you know he 
Yeah, and I have him comp to Jeremy Macklin in the third round grade on Deion Kane. I, I don't disagree. When I look at my notes on, on his hands, I said he has a share of drops uh, when, and struggles to extend and securely snatch the football. Mixed results uh, holding on through contact. I think I, I subscribed a little bit more to his, his route running ability, um, and I thought he did well to take advantage of the vertical push that he can get in his routes and, and – and, and snap things off, and um, I thought he could separate a little bit. I guess I'm giving him more credit for his ability to separate a lot more credit. Um, and um, I thought he blocked well. I mean, I, I mean, there were things about his game that I liked. Um, I didn't think he was dominant in any one area, but I think he can be a number two or a number three um, and, and really provide that route running upside and certainly concerned about his hands, but I, I think he's a better route runner than, than you're giving him credit for. That's fair. Would you like to defend your Kiki Kuti 108 overall rating? I'm sorry. I just like good football players, so I like Kiki Kuti in the fourth round. I mean, uh, he's, a, he's a player that I compare to Tyler Lockett. Um, I think he's got some dynamic traits about him, um, just the way that he is able to, uh, to separate. I think that comes very natural from him. Uh, I like his burst in and out of his breaks. Obviously, he's going to get rerouted when he's touched because he's a, he's a smurf. Uh, well, five five nine and one eighty one, so he's not very big. Um, but uh, you know, I think you can put him in the slot, and I think he's going to give give corners hell with with his ability to shake them and, and create that quick separation. Um, I, I liked his ability um, to to track the football down the field. He adjusts well to its trajectory. So I think that he's got he's got playmaking potential at every level of the field, and I think he's going to be a tough cover for some of these uh, slot corners in the NFL. Yeah, he, he's a slightly bigger version of Jakeem Grant is what he is. Is that, is that that's the whole, that's your whole counter? I, <laughs> I, when, when I watched him play, I thought he excelled because of the space that he was afforded more than anything else. Um, I, I did not think he would project favorably into a slot position where he's going to get collisioned a lot more. He just had so much open space to run into that a lot of times it, it afforded him you know, ease because he is a quicker player um, to slip by because Texas Tech really opened up in between the hashes. There's a lot of room to work there. Uh, didn't Again, did not think he was physical. Uh, I thought he, he was pretty fun after the catch. Yeah, man. <laughs> we moved on to tight ends. Yeah, let's go to tight ends. Do some tight ends. Get this thing sorted. All right, so my top five tight ends are Dallas Goddard, South Dakota State, Mark Andrews, Oklahoma, Hayden Hurst, South Carolina, Mike Gusecki, Penn State, and I don't care what you tell me. Jalen Samuels, NC State, is a tight end. I don't want to play him at running back like it seems like a lot of people want to do. Uh, but if I had to go beyond Jalen Samuels, if we were to call him a running back, Chris Herndon from Miami would be my five if we're omitting Jalen Samuels. But I have Jalen slot as a tight end. Yeah, I agree with you on, on that with Jalen Samuels. Uh, number one for me, Dallas Godert. Number two, Mike Kosicki. Three, Hayden Hurst. Four, Mark Andrews. And five, Tyler Conklin from Central Michigan. Yeah, and I just missed on Conklin. Conklin's my seven. Uh, 
and we're not too far off on the board. We have him in the same tier. Yeah. Uh, seems like this is pretty cut and dry for us, Joe. Um, you're slightly lower than Mark Andrew on Mark Andrews than I am. He's only separated by ten slots, but I believe you have him slot as a third round value. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, he's a he's a third round value. Yes, Mark Mark Andrews, a high third round value. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think the, the biggest deviations are when you start to get a little bit deeper into the rankings where uh, it looks like the, the two blocking tight ends, uh, Dalton Schultz and, and Durham Smythe, are, are two players that I subscribe to more than you. I've got I've got Smythe 121 spots higher and, and uh, Schultz 98 spots higher. And so maybe I'm guessing you're going to tell me that the limited receiving upside is, is what pushes those guys down for you. Yeah, and it's 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 funny because I actually liked both of those guys when I watched them on film, right? But I think when you put them through the criteria on film traits that I'm looking for in a modern tight end, yeah, yeah, the the limited ceiling in those areas kind of hurt them in their film assessment, and then they're not productive receivers, so that hurts them in the production area of the game, and they're not great athletes. They're serviceable tight end athletes relative to tight ends over the last 10, 15 years through the combine. So they scored just fine. But one of the biggest things I remember doing this back in 2015 was overhauling the film traits for tight ends in an effort to kind of get in line with the more modern tight ends and the the role that these guys are going to be asked to play uh, much more out in space and be receivers. And for that reason, those guys are further down the board. Uh, but, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like both of those guys for what they are. Tight end twos, I think Dalton Schultz probably has a little bit higher ceiling. I think he's probably the best pure blocking tight end in the class. And that'll have some value. And if a team needs that tight end too, that guy that can win with his hand in the dirt, uh, I'm, I am all for Dalton Schultz going earlier than where I have him slotted. It's just because I'm looking for that certain style of a receiver, that's why they're so low on my board. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, both of those guys probably can have long careers and make a lot of money in the NFL and maybe be a, a little bit right. unheralded, right. but um, these are guys that just make rosters every single year, and, you know, I don't think they're low-end blocking tight ends. I think they're really good blocking tight ends that you know, certainly didn't get their chances in, in the passing game. You have to wonder how much of that is – just the scheme, how much of that is their their skill set didn't demand those targets, uh, but you know, certainly that production's not there. But uh, you know, I, I just I guess I'm I'm more inclined to believe, and if it, it's not like we're talking about guys that I've really pounded the table for on day two, these are day three prospects. But one thing that I'll, I'll go back and, and learn from these two guys is if you know if they are true dinosaurs for the position, or is the way the NFL game's evolving is that you know there are some two tight end sets and and opportunities for these guys to sit down in zones and you know just be those those reliable safety valves that have a little bit of seam stretching ability. And, and, and can kind of just provide that big target. So I thought I saw enough there combined with what I think is really outstanding blocking ability to think that these guys are going to be, you know, rosterable players for a long time and be productive players. Just not necessarily in terms of yards and receptions. I think that's fair, Joe. Uh, any other parting thoughts here on tight ends before we move on to offensive linemen? Um. No, I mean, I, I think this, 
we're fairly fairly ran pretty similar here, but um, so let's yeah, it's to, pretty cut and dry. We're gonna package all these. All right, so Joe, we're gonna do. Yep, we're gonna go guards, tackles, and centers all together here, and we have a couple doozies here to tackle, including uh, Will Richardson, who you're very disrespectful on, and I don't appreciate. And I know you're just dying to ask me about Tyrone Crowder, so we got some conversation points here with the offensive line. Uh, but my fo- top five offensive linemen on the board, Quentin Nelson, Notre Dame, guard. Connor Williams, Texas, have him slated as a tackle. Isaiah Wynn, I have slated as guard. Georgia, Mike McGlinty, offensive tackle, Notre Dame. And Chukwuma Okorafor. Uh, Western Michigan, I'm extremely high on. Joe, it was nice to see that you liked him, mm-hmm. just not necessarily as much as I did, but it's always nice when you're way out on an island on somebody and then you get some feedback from somebody who you respect. It's like, oh, Joe's got him 42nd. Like, <laughs> he's, he's up there for Joe, just not quite as high as I am. I guess I like him more appropriately. Uh, uh, so let's talk about my five top five offensive oh, linemen. Man. Number one, Quentin Nelson. If, if somebody has Quentin Nelson, not their top offensive lineman, you just mute that person. Uh, number two, Isaiah Wynn, guard from Georgia. Connor Williams, offensive tackle from Texas, number three. Mike McGlinchey, Notre Dame offensive tackle, number four. And Billy Price, the center from uh, Ohio State, number five. You want to get right to it, Kyle? Let's Joe, go. I think the first thing that stands out, yeah, I, I want to talk about the first – was it eight names on the list? Nine names on the list? We're really close on this top tier of offensive linemen. Nelson, we were off by one spot on the board. Connor Williams, we were divided by nine spots on our respective boards. Isaiah Wynn, we were divided by one spot. Mike McGlinch, we were separated by two spots. Uh, Chakuma Corfor was 30. Jamarco Jones, we were separated by nine. Austin Corbett, we were divided by 17. Billy Price, divided by nine. Uh, Will Hernandez, we were separated by eight. So, I mean, the, the, those names there seems like a pretty cut and dry, like, top-tier group as far as if you need a starting offensive lineman, it feels like we both have the same eight, nine guy in mind that we should be able to target here and, and, and come away with and feel really good about. Yeah, yeah, so boringly similar there, but uh, it's it speaks to, I guess, the way we see offensive line and, and how we see these players, and, and those are, those are my starters, man. Those are the guys that I think if if I need a, a starter in this draft, though, that's my targets. Sure, and I know my offensive line is more saturated than yours. Uh, I mean, we're both high on Frank Rag now. We both have him in our respective top forties. Uh, you're much higher on James Daniels than I am, but I I have James Daniels rated 59th. You have him 20th. Uh, Tyrell Crosby's in our respective top sixties. So, I mean, you, you head down the list here, top 100 offensive linemen. Uh, we have a lot in common. We have some that we do not. Uh, we have to talk about Will Richardson. And, Joe, I'm going to grill you because I know you're going to grill me on uh, Tyrone Crowder. So why don't you tell me why Will Richardson was so low for you at, I believe, a fourth-round value? I, I, I guess I'm surprised that a fourth-round value is low for Will Richardson. I think he's a, I think he's got a lot of tools, man. I think, you, you know, the the traits are all there for him to be a really high-quality uh, offensive tackle in the NFL. Um, 
obviously the length, the power, very present. Um, I want to see some more polish with his hands. I want to see some more body control. I want to see him use those 35-plus-inch arms a bit more uh, consistently. So I I don't think he's an immediate starter. I think that he's probably going to take a year of of seasoning, but I think he can be a starter in time, and and that's why the fourth round, the kind of a – middle fourth round grade is is appropriate for me he's got some off-field stuff that didn't work against him from my grade but that is something to be mindful of but um yeah i like will richardson i just didn't think he was a top 50 player in this class i liked will um i'll read my my summary for rich richardson uh richardson meets all the needed requirements to start along the offensive line high-end length and fluid movement skills make him an attraction attractive option to start early in his career he experienced on right side should warrant plug-and-play consideration at right tackle. So you had some reservations about polish with his hands. Um, I think it's fair, but I think he's got a ton of power on his hand, and because of his grip strength, I think he's able to mask a lot of uh, some of the technical deficiencies early on in his sets. And uh, I was just super impressed with his ability to ride guys out. You, know, you mentioned 35 and, and a quarter-inch arms, and he plays with that length. He's not overly sudden. He's not explosive. He's not like Desmond Harrison from West Georgia, who is just an eye-droppingly good athlete. But uh, he's got length. He's one of these big offensive tackles that just occupy space. And because he occupies space and he's fairly fluid, uh, I, I think he can contribute immediately, even if he's not the most fundamentally sound offensive lineman. Kyle, you, you know what I want to talk about. <laughs> Tyrone Crowder, guard from, from Clemson. This is one of the overall biggest discrepancies that you and I have in this class. Uh, just to put the real, the real data out there, he's a player that I have graded as the 286th player in this class. An undraftable grade. You have him number eighty-nine. With is that a three? I think you have a three on him. Um, that is a three. Yep. Yep. Four-year starter at Clemson. Non-combine invite. Ran a five-seven-five forty-yard dash. He's six-one and a half, three hundred forty-two pounds. Ran a two-point-zero-six ten-yard split. Kyle, uh, what, what's going on? How did, how did I? How did I miss? How did I miss this badly? <laughs> He, he is a scheme-specific prospect. I'll start with that. Uh, projects best in like man-gap rushing offense. Uh, he's not going to be tasked with turning defenders out, but he's, he's got to play forward. I thought he can be an average starting guard at the NFL level if he hits the ceiling. My comp here is Lakin Tomlinson. Well, obviously, Lakin Tomlinson went in the first round and was a disappointment, is already on a second NFL team. Uh, but I think that's kind of the ceiling there, and I think that that you can get away with starting him if you run that gap power and don't ask him you know, if your team that's going to run the football a whole lot. I thought the the thing that stood out to me the most about him was I thought he was a very smart football player, and because of that, I'm willing to tolerate some of the physical restrictions. Uh, in the passing game, he's best in short sets. This makes sense, right? Not a good athlete, so the further you task him with playing in his kick slide, uh, the more trouble he's going to have. So 
a quick setter. He's got a good functional anchor. His natural strength is supplemented by the fact that he's not overly tall, so he plays with some leverage. So if I'm just piecing all the thing, those things together, and I can envision an area in which he, a, a certain offense in which he can be successful. Where Joe, it seems like you didn't subscribe to that thought, thought school of thought at all. No, and I thought this happened last year too, where you had it was uh, it was the LSU guard. Can't remember his name and, and Damian Mama from USC, and I don't know that you were this high on either one of those guys. I was not, but but you were notably higher than I was, and so um, it, it's something about these really heavy-footed offensive linemen that I don't think can move. That I don't, I just, I can't subscribe to them. And it's, I get that they have some up the upside in that gap power scheme where they just got to move bodies stacked on top of them. And Tyron Croder did that. At Clemson, but if I need him to do literally anything else, I have my reservations, and and, and so uh, I just you know hey I didn't uh, I didn't hit the subscribe button and leave a five star review for Ty for Tyron Crowder. Scrolling the rest of our way through the list, Joe seems like Toby Weathersby is somebody that you can envision a starting role for in some way, shape, or form. Is that accurate? <laughs> is or is it you know you you just think he can be a depth depth player? I mean, you have a 179 on your board. I have yeah. a 268. So that's another player where we've got to divide, which I think is ironic because you're sitting here telling me you don't like heavy-footed offensive linemen and you like Toby Weathersby. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, got you. Um, I, I like Toby Weathersby. I think he's got low-end low starter upside. Um, yeah, the feet are heavy. I get that. I, I comped him to, uh, to Morgan Moses. Um, but I, I think that his, his – He's so strong, and I feel like I'm. You've, you've set me up here to really contradict myself based on what I what I just said about Tyrone Crowder. <laughs> Tyrone Crowder, but uh, you know, I think that the traits are more present with uh, with whether it be six four, three seventeen, ten and a quarter hands, thirty three and a quarter inch arms. He, I mean, he ran five three four, so he's not like he's not like a five seven five like your boy is. But um, uh, I, I I really had an appreciation for how well he framed rushers for his size. Um, I, and you think about a right tackle only. If if he can get some of some of this uh, some consistency things down, I, I think you have a chance of getting him as a as a potential starter in time. So I, I felt like I was being careful there because uh, you, you you played me. You played me pretty well here. But uh, I like his I like his angles, and there's traits about him that I like that I think give him a chance. I mean, he's a guy having the fifth round, Kyle. So it's not like I, I'm like pounding the table for him, but uh, certainly much higher on him than you. Joe's out here playing chess or checkers, and your boy's here playing chess. Yeah, that was just, dirty, man. <laughs> just remember that. Ass. <laughs> Listen, I've been hearing about how you're going to put me on a tee for my Tyrone Crowder ranking for about ten days now. <laughs> So, so you so knew you, I was going to come to the table with something. You dig, you dig to a guy got a fifth round grade on and try to make me pound the table. That was dirty, man. I, I that's going to be one of the worst rants I've ever had. I can, I'm, I'm like a minute removed from it, and I can just it's it's going to make me cringe when I listen to this podcast later. So, if you wanted to edit that out, I'd be perfectly fine with that. <laughs> well, that's. It did not age gracefully, but typically it takes like a couple days, a couple weeks, maybe a couple months for a take to age poorly. And that aged in a couple seconds. Yeah, thanks. So that's impressive. <laughs> thanks, man.
Yeah, we're, we're moving on, all right? We're, we're going to move on to wrapping up the offensive show. Joe, we're going to do Battle of the Boards defense on Friday, I believe. This was something that you had, had suggested, and we want to make sure that this, this content stays consumable for everybody who's listening. So we're actually going to break this thing up into two shows, and uh, I'm going to kindly ask my dog to stop squeaking her toy there while I'm uh, trying to wrap up my show. So thanks, Sophie. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this, this offensive side of the ball, battle of the boards, comparing and contrasting. Uh, our respective big boards. Very excited and proud of Joe uh, for getting his second annual prospect portfolio out and published. I know uh, he is thrilled with the end result, and I am uh, super impressed with the, the strides that uh, and growth that he's made since last year's edition. And I think anybody who's uh, reading this will see what I'm talking about and be very pleased with their purchase. So if you have not gotten in on the fun yet, you can go to ndtscouting.com, register and get both of our 2018 NFL draft guides for a combined $20. It's an annual fee, one-time charge, $20, gets you both draft guides, 600 reports, and we've kind of previewed the offensive side of the ball, some of the things that you can expect to read in those guides on today's show. As we said on Friday, we will be doing the defensive side of the board. Um, any feedback you have for us, if you would like to give us your thoughts and, and battle your board against ours, you can reach us on Twitter. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at NDT Scouting. Uh, we'll be back, as Joe said, on Wednesday doing a very, very cool concept on Josh Allen. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. This is with you all on Wednesday. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.